I greet you, everyone, in the very blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, we continue in our study of <clears throat> blessed are the poor in spirit. Before we go further, let us turn to God in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you again for genuine mercies to thy house. Thank you, O Lord, for handling all the things that we needed to take care of for the day that we may be found in the house of prayer tonight both at home, as well as the place of work, as well as school. Father, we come once again seeking the fresh cleansing and washing in the blood of our Saviour. We do plead, O God, that you would open our eyes of understanding tonight, and Lord, cause us to search our own hearts very deeply. And may your Holy Spirit be the one to not just open our eyes of understanding, but Lord, would convict us of our sins. And Father, we pray again that you would establish your church and Save your people, and Lord, strengthen your work on earth, even through this series. We ask and pray for all this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let us turn our Bibles, well, to a passage on <clears throat> salvation. But actually, maybe before we turn there, let's do some revision, all right? Let's do some revision. Now, every of the beatitude begins with blessed, blessed. So do you remember what is blessed? What does it mean? Um, Cornelius. Happy, all right, so that's the easy part. Why would someone be happy? Um, let's see, Thomas. He's happy because he's walking right with God. Okay, yep, but what do we learn? What's the meaning of a person being blessed. There were two things from God. Yeah, Thomas, continue. All right, being in the right relationship with him, that is blessedness. Yes, but when someone asks you, right, maybe your child asks you, Daddy, what does it mean to be blessed of God? Any re recollection? What does it mean to be blessed of God? Don't remember. Alex? Very good. Well, one is God has favorable thoughts towards you. Right? God has favorable thoughts towards you. So that's one. And not only favorable thoughts, but what else? Um, Caleb. If you didn't study that yet, he's able to use us. Now, we are going to study a whole series on blessed is the man. And if you don't know what blessed is, it's going to be like quite a meaningless study. All right? So one is when God says, you are blessed, means the first thing, he has favorable thoughts towards you. What's another one? Um, Nathan. Can't remember. You'll bet, be better off spiritually. Why will we be better off spiritually? All right, last person. All right, Alex, did you copy the second one? One is God will have favorable thoughts towards you. Hurry <laughs> through my scribbling. Well, yes, he will, we, will, we will be spiritually better off. That's, that's important to remember. And the reason is because God will have gracious responses towards you. 
All right? So when the Bible says, you are blessed, what does it mean? It is not about what men favors you, not what men does for you. Now, it has specifically to do with God's thoughts towards you and God's actions towards you, all right? So when the Bible says you are blessed, you are blessed of God, that is what it means. So God's favorable thoughts towards you are favorable. For example, He's pleased with you, all right? He's pleased with you. Um, and therefore, He desires to um, help you. So then He will be gracious <coughs> towards you. Remember, we, we studied from Numbers that the Lord lifts His countenance upon you, may His face shine upon you. That is God's favor towards you, all right? And that He would um, cause His countenance to, to, to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. That's a blessing. So every Sunday, if I say, the Lord bless you and keep you, or when we sing, bless you and keep you, what are you saying about others? The Lord bless you and keep you. Means may the Lord's face shine upon you, His favor be upon you, all right? Um, and the other one is that may He be gracious unto you. Gracious means He will do something towards you, for you, give something, all right? So these two things, He will help you, gracious to you, help you, provide for you, protect you, hear your prayers, all this, all right? So when you sing every Sunday, the Lord be, um, the, the, about the, the Lord's um, blessings upon others and being gracious, it is really, this is what it means, okay? So I hope that you remember that. So every time we learn, blessed is the man, means God looks upon him favorably and God will be graciously working in his life. So some other things will come in, into play, like you talk about, well, um, he will help you. Uh, sorry, I can't remember what you said, but yeah, you, you, it's better off for you spiritually and so on. Okay, so that is what it means. Now, the other thing is then, quick revision is, looks like it's not so quick after all. Uh, why, does it, why does God want to bless a person, Vincent? All right, the reason why God blesses us is so that we will have, we will obtain from Him what is needed for us to live our spiritual life on earth, all right, to do what He wills for us on earth. That is the reason why God blesses anyone. Always remember that. If we don't remember that, then every time we study, we think that it's a personal benefit for my personal um, goals in life. And that is what um, today's Christianity is predominantly about. All right? So why does God bless a person? To give us what is needed for us, everything that is needed for us to live for Him on earth. Now, that, what does that mean, finally? So, if God's, when we say God bless someone, means He is favorable towards a person and will be gracious to do something for the person so that this person will have what he needs to live for God on earth, not for self. Now, this is the reason why a man is truly blessed. Understand that. The reason why a man is blessed. So, for example, you go to work and you say, I am so blessed to join this company. And then they say, why? You know, when I come, the company, they, they are very thoughtful towards me. They are, they are favorable. They are favorable thoughts towards you. They care for you as an employee, right? So you say, I'm so, I'm so blessed to work for such a company that, that the company thinks for us, things have good thoughts towards us, not just to abuse us. 
And then, not only that, I feel very blessed. Why? Because, you know, all the things that I need to do my job and to do a good job, the company provides for me. They make sure that we have the training. They make sure that we have the tools. And it makes my job so much easier to, as I try to do my job for the company. I am so blessed. Why is a man blessed? By God. Because of that. He has everything that he needs. God's favor, God's grace to help him to live the life on earth for him. And that is always the most blessed life. You see, the human, um, humans of this world, they think the most blessed thing is to get what you want, have what you want, and live for yourself. But look at the world. It's very miserable. Everyone is miserable. The, the more you earn very often, the more you have, the more difficult and more, um, more problems there are in your life. It has nothing to do with being able to live and do what you want to do. All right? So when God says, blessed is the man, it means it means these things. Now, next week, I'll try to ask again. One, it means God's favor. It means God's um, grace towards you to enable you to live the life for Him. And that is why this life is so blessed. So blessed. Any other life is a deception. Only this life is truly a happy life. All right? In other words, when a man is in a situation where it's the most difficult problems in life, it has nothing to do with his, with his joy in his heart. It doesn't affect it. He is in whatever situation, riches, physical riches, physical poverty, problems in life, ease in life, his, his blessedness, his happiness, his joy remains the same. All right? Now, then we move to this other part to, today. So, blessed is the poor, blessed are they the poor in the spirit. What is poor in spirit? What do you think is poor in spirit? Well, first and foremost, please remember that. Um, this is not about physical riches, right? That is why it is said that poor in spirit, not poor in wealth, not poor in health, all right? But God is very specific. He said poor in spirit, poor in spirit. Now, maybe I just ask, what do you think of the word poor when the Bible says poor in spirit? Just try, all right? Um, Jonathan, what do you think it's about? Say again. Having needs, all right? Needy, someone who is in great need, okay? Um, uh, one more, Michelle. Broken hearted, all right? Sacrifices of God are broken spirit, broken and contrite heart. We'll study that in time. Yes, someone whose heart is um, broken and contrite, okay? We'll come to that as well. Now, this word is the same word as the word that was used to describe Lazarus. You remember Lazarus, the beggar, beggar. So it's the same word. It, it is talking about a beggar, someone who is a beggar, poor in spirit. Now, in other words, it is a picture of someone who is not just poor, not just not rich, all right? Not just someone who is um, suffering some lack in life, having some need in life. Now, it is a description, remember the description of um, Lazarus? It's a picture of total pauper. He's a total pauper, right? He, he, he's totally broke, have nothing at all. He's not even having a little bit of things that he can call for, call as him, that belongs to him, that he has something to eat. No, he's, he's absolutely destitute, have nothing. 
So when we hear this word, poor in spirit, now it describes someone who is um, in, in total loss, total hopelessness, absolutely possessing nothing. Ah, that is this word. Now, not only that, now it describes someone who is crouching. You know crouching? That's why it's, it's the beggar. He crouched in the corner of a street or at the gate of, of this rich man. He's not standing there upright. They, they are crouching there begging. A beggar do not stand upright and, and say, hey, give me some money. Well, someone who does that is not in this total state of destitution. So destitute, the person will crouch, cringing. So not just crouching. This crouching is not just sitting comfortably. It's cringing, all right? Um, it is bowed down. Um, now, in fact, some description of this is the person's face is always to the ground, always to the ground. Feels so um, worthless that the person feels that I don't even have the right to lift up my head to look at people when I ask, when I beg for something. You see beggars like that, some of them, right? They are so ashamed. They feel so unworthy to look at people. They just put up their hand. I'm nothing, right? Just drop something in my hand out of mercy. It's that kind of picture. In fact, some describe it as someone who is, who is flat on the face and just crawling in the dirt and um, just trying to, you know, just scratching for things, hoping to find something in the dirt. Because that is, that is how desperate he is. Even some dirty thing in the dirt would be something better than what he has. So when God says poor in spirit, he is talking about someone that is, that is so humbled. I, I can't even think of a word. Humble, I think, is still too, 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 strong, too um, good a word. So... Um, destitute, so desperate, is, I think is the word. So absolutely um, desperate, poor in spirit. That is what it means. Now when we remember it is not about poor, this physical poverty, all right? This is about the spirit, the inward man, um, the attitude in the person, the thinking of a person, Okay, about what? We'll talk about that soon. But I just want to clear a few things. Now, this is one of the popular verse used to support um, the social gospel. Remember, we studied on Sunday, the social gospel, where it is, they use this verse and say, look, we must go and look for the poor people, and um, we must raise money to help the poor people in the world, those that are marginalized, all right? So they may not be physically poor, but they may be marginalized in society, looked down upon in society. And so we must um, go and bless them because these people are supposed to be blessed. So let's, let's as a Christian, go and bless these people. Now, this is not about physical poverty, trying to lift people out of um, um, social, the social ladder um, and those who are marginalized and so on. This is not that at all, all right? Now, this is about the, the attitude of a person, the feeling of a person, I would say the genuine perspective of a person about himself. I repeat, it is the very genuine evaluation, very sincere belief about himself or herself that this, 
that I am poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Means when it comes to my spirit, the spiritual part of me, I am destitute. I have nothing to lift up my head to God and, and be proud about. In fact, I have such a, such a real, realistic understanding of my own heart, of my own soul, that I am utterly hopeless, utterly filthy, utterly um, desperately in, in need of God's help. Uh, this is the meaning. God says, these are the people that will be blessed. These are the people that will be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, when we ask, what is, what will these people be blessed with? Which and what will these people be blessed with? Very smart. Quickly turn to the Bible. All right. Very good. Right? They are blessed with the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. That is what they'll be blessed with. Now, I want to cover this first. All right? What is the kingdom of heaven? Before we come back to um, poor in spirit. What is the kingdom of heaven? Now, notice it is not the kingdom of earth. It is not a physical kingdom. It's talking about a spiritual kingdom. So again, it tells you this blessedness is not about the social gospel, um, what the social gospel uh, propounders uh, are teaching. Right? So it is the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is the kingdom of heaven? What is this about? What is it being blessed with the kingdom of heaven? Well, like, well, you already noticed, right, Richard, you're right. It's about salvation, salvation. So you're blessed with the kingdom of heaven. God will favorably look upon you and God will graciously grant you salvation. He will grant you a place, a, a sure and um, fixed place in heaven. You become, you're blessed with the citizenship of heaven. You're blessed with sins forgiven. You're blessed with being avo avoiding the judgment, eternal judgment of God. Instead, you're blessed with eternal bliss in the presence of the living God, right? So, yes, one of the things is definitely that, um, the kingdom of heaven, a citizenship in the kingdom of God. Now, tonight, I want to focus on this first, right, on this first. Now, then, the other one, the kingdom of heaven. Now, it means... Now that I'm a citizen of heaven, I live under God's care. That's why you're blessed, right? I live under God's care. I live under God's protection. I live under God's provision because I am His child. That is a blessed thing. Now, but not only that, after salvation, I also live under His rule. I live under His rule. And I, as a result, I will also rule with him one day. I live under his rule. So when we say you'll be given the kingdom of heaven, it is saying all the things. You, you will receive salvation and you will receive um, God's provision in this, in this life on earth. Eternal life is in the future so that you can live for God and you live for God because you're under the rule of this living God. So the kingdom of heaven means that. A kingdom refers to the fact that there is a king, right? So it has to do with his rulership as well. 
No, so therefore, it includes the future heaven and now on earth, um, the, life about, the life about the life on earth now. But tonight, like I said, I want to focus on salvation, on salvation. I've said in the beginning of this series that I do not want to assume that everyone is saved. Adults, elderlies, some of you join us from other churches. I'm not sure exactly what is in your heart and mind. Um, now, but likewise for those in our church, right? Those who grew up in our church. In fact, I'm more worried about those that grew up in our church or those who grew up in Christian family. So tonight, young people and teens and preteens, I hope you pay attention. And parents, you yourself make sure of your salvation and also make sure that you know how to help your child to understand what is poor in spirit that they may have that they may be blessed with the kingdom of God. Now, so with that understanding of poor in spirit, all right, now I want us to look at um, the best example in scriptures, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, please. Luke chapter 18. Okay, Luke chapter 18. Now let's read from verses 10 um, to 14. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 to 14. One, two, reading. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortionous, unjust, adulterous, and even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now here is a perfect example of one that God says will receive salvation, and the other, salvation because... He went to his house, justified, all right, justified. And God says, well, what is, what is the spirit of this man? What is the spirit of this man? Now look at verse, verse 11, uh, sorry, verse, verse um, 13. Standing afar off, meaning the person don't even feel that he is worthy to be near the temple, all right? Now, I'm, say, I'm not saying don't come to church, right? But what I'm saying is this person doesn't assume, doesn't have this feeling that, you know, I'm actually quite good even going even to be near the temple was something that he feels he's not even worthy of in himself, in himself. All right, then it says, 
uh, would not lift up so much as his eyes onto heaven. The description of the poor in spirit. Like a beggar who don't feel that I, I, I can't even, I should, I don't, I'm not worthy to be near the temple, let alone look up. How dare I look up to the eyes of the living God? I can only, you know, um, bow my head and just hope. Hope he drops something to me. But smote upon his breast. What's the meaning of smote upon his breast? This is a very genuine feeling, all right? It is one that he hits himself and he hates himself almost. He sees himself as so terrible, so filthy, so unclean, so horrible. He just smote himself. And he also describes one that feels so broken, so broken in his heart. Now, this is the spirit of one who comes to God and then God says, well, he went down to his house justified. Now, tonight, I hope that we really search our hearts and ask ourselves, when we came to God, and even now, what is our attitude regarding salvation? Now, this is a man who, in total desperation, begs God. And even when he begs God, he don't even feel he's worthy to beg God for anything. When you came to Christ for salvation, was that how you feel? Now, young person, you say that you are saved. I want to ask you this question tonight. When you turned to God for salvation, was that how you felt about yourself? I don't even deserve. Now, I'm not saying don't come to God for salvation because some people may, may, may say, well, I don't deserve, so I don't go to God for salvation. That was Judas, all right? Instead of turning to God for salvation, yes, he felt horrible about himself. But God says that kind of feeling did not drive him to God. But now this is someone who, he, was, he would still be near the temple, but he dare not go into the temple. He knows that being there is where, well, hopefully he will come to know how to be saved. He wants to be near there, but he don't feel worthy. And at the same time, he still smote his own breast, and he said, God, be merciful unto me. He did turn to God. And when he turned to God, he asked for mercy, meaning to say that he did not feel that he even have a right to stand before God. He don't even have a right to ask anything from God. That is why it's called, give me mercy. I don't deserve anything, right? Give me some mercy. Now, teens, I want to ask you, you grew up in a Christian family, or even for adults. Sometimes you just simply say, well, well, I said the sinner's prayer. This man was not saying the sinner's prayer. He did pray as a sinner. He did pray as a sinner. He said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The danger today about, well, have you said the sinner's prayer? Come, I'll pray the sinner's prayer with you. Then after that, the church assures or the pastor or the, or, or the congregation assures the person, now you are saved, you have said the sinner's prayer. That is a very dangerous thing. Now, I'm not saying don't encourage people to say sinner's prayer, don't lead them in sinner's prayer because they may not know how to come to God. They may not know what to pray about, right? So we are to teach them. But even for ourselves, 
Don't just think that I've said the sinner's prayer means I am saved. The question is, God said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The question is, was your spirit poor? Because it's those that are poor in spirit that will inherit, that will receive the kingdom of God, that will be justified. Do you have this in you that you feel that you are spiritually bankrupt? Spiritually bankrupt. A beggar is bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt means you come to a point where you, you admit it. Lord, I really admit. It's not like, you know, you sit there and then you cross your leg or you go home and then very comfortable in bed and they say, God, please forgive me, I'm a sinner. No, this is someone who, who feels I am so bankrupt, I will, I will beg and grovel in front of God. God, you have to save me. Please, I beg you. I need to be saved. I am, without you, I cannot be saved. Was it like that? Was it like that? Because I've come across many who, in their teens' age, like you sitting here, right? Teenagers or preteens. I remember they say, Oh, you know, I'm saved. I say, Well, how did you know? How do you know? Say, Last night I prayed to God. I asked God to save me. Say, That's very good. But many of them are not with us today. They said the sinner's prayer. So, teens, I want you to wake up to this. Don't just say, I've said the sinner's prayer. When, when you came to God, was it this, this poor in spirit in you? Now, the second thing about this poor in spirit is this. He smote upon his breast. It's almost like, I wish I could feel the pain of what I deserve. I wish I could feel the pain of what I deserve. I deserve pain. I don't deserve forgiveness, but I know I need forgiveness. Now, I'm not talking about go torture yourself. Huh? Um, tonight, go torture yourself. If I torture myself, and there's some understanding of Christians, if I torture myself, then, well, God will forgive me. I'm not talking about that. But he really feels, he is so vile, so filthy, so undeserving. How can I be like that? Maybe I hit myself and I, I will awaken to the fact how terrible a person I am. So teens, adults as well, when you came to Christ for salvation, was that in your heart? I am very, very filthy. I am very, very unclean. I don't have the slightest respect for myself that I can even say I will stand respectably, fold my arms. I will just smite myself in public. That is how I feel about myself. You know, there was once I was at the deathbed of one of our um, member, an elderly person. Um, it was the last few hours of her life. We didn't know, right? But the daughter called me up after prayer meeting, right? And, and thank God my phone was on. And she, she said, Mom is in a lot of agony, a lot of pain, and she's crying and moaning all the time. And then I, I said, all right, I'll come and see her quickly, all right? So I went down, and she wouldn't talk to people, but she was asleep most of the time. But every time she was awake, she was in just this, this state of moaning, um, uh, misery, all right, misery. And they said, we do not know what's wrong. We keep asking her, but she just, she just won't, won't, won't talk to us. So when I went, um, and the daughter said, that was the only other time she awoke. And after that, she went back to sleep, and she went to be with the Lord. That was the only time we got to talk to her. 
So at her bedside, I asked her, you know, why are you in so much agony? Um, I need you to know that, you know, if you have turned to the Lord as your personal God and Savior, you've asked Him to save you, um, you have a place in heaven. You do not need to fear death. But the thing is this, she wasn't afraid of death. She wasn't afraid of death. So I said, what is it then? And her words were along this line. He said, Pastor, I'm a very, very terrible sinner. Then I say, yes, we are all, we are all sinners, terrible sinners. Say, Pastor, but you don't know, you know. Um, I must be very, very um, horrible a person. Then I say, well, we are all sinners, and God's, God's, the Lord Jesus' blood can wash away all our sins. He said, I know that, I know that, but I am a very, very filthy and horrible, horrible, horrible person. Now, as far as we know of this person, she wasn't. <laughs> Right? And uh, her, her children loves her. She, she was a very, very caring, good mother. They only have good things to say about her when she was in church. She was a very, very good person, very nice person, very humble person. But it was at that time that I realized that, you know, is this person at her deathbed realized how utterly unworthy, although she knows Christ has saved her, although she knows the blood of Christ washes away her sin, her sins, and she has a place in heaven. But at that point of time, she just feels she, she was not worthy of heaven. She was not worthy to be saved, although she knows she is saved. And she's very grateful that she is saved. But she's, she doesn't go to heaven, yeah, I'm saved and, you know, I'm so happy, I'm so worthy. But she just felt, how can a sinner like me be saved? It is so amazing, a salvation. Now, that is poor in spirit. It was a very moving moment for myself that I never forgot. And I asked myself, have I ever been so clear? She was, in the children's eyes, not clear about, about things. She's, they say she's drifting in and out of her sleep. Right? She's just talking rubbish, right? talking about old days and confused about things. But actually, her mind, when it came to this, was extremely clear. I think clearer than many of us about our state, who we are before God. Yes, we are saved totally by grace. Yes, we are saved, washed in the blood of Christ. But we know deep inside, we are really, really very terrible, 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 unworthy sinners. Saved by grace, that is all. Now, that is why Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul such an incredible, hard-working, diligent, um, absolutely self, uh, selfless, devoted um, disciple of Christ. But he said, I'm the chief of sinners. I don't deserve anything. Now, it's not like we feel that we are respectable. There's some respectability in us. So when God says, poor in spirit, teens, don't have this thinking, I'm from a Christian family, I'm not that bad, you know. All right, you know, my parents asked me to, to, to pray the sinner's prayer. All right, so I'll pray, and that's all. No, there's a desperation. Teens, adults, please know, there, this desperation of I must be saved, I need to be saved. I'm not worthy to be saved, but I must, I must be saved. It's not, well, tonight, tonight maybe if I remember, I will pray the sinner's prayer. It's not that kind. You know, sometimes in church we share the gospel and they say, well, tonight 
pray to God and ask God to save you. And then sometimes they come back to church and say, did you ask God to save you? Did you turn to Him in, 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 um, in repentance, in brokenness, and acknowledging you're a sinner that needs salvation? Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll do it this week. I forgot. You know what is poor in spirit? It's a desperation that is so strong. You beg for it. Not when I remember, I ask for it. You beg for it. You may not dare to go close to God, but you, you know you, you must ask for it. Or is that how you turn to God for salvation? You know, teens, or you say, well, uh, tonight, okay, I think tonight I'll say it. That's all. Then you know in your heart you have not reached that stage. Then you cry to God, God, I am in trouble. I'm like the Pharisee. I think I, I go to church twice a week. Now they fast twice a week. Maybe you say, I go to church twice a week. I give for my time. I come for prayer meeting. I come for Bible study. Teens, don't think like that. If you go home and say, well, um, maybe, okay, if, if, if God wants me, if, if my parents want me to save, I say the sinner's prayer. Then you pray to God, God, forgive me. I don't know how terrible I am. Could you please save me tonight? And now I realize I, I am worse than a, the poorest beggar in the world when it comes to spiritual state in my heart. A state of hopelessness, a state of utter um, need and admission. This is the other thing. Utter need and admission. Now I want to come to this other point, is this. Many say that they realize that they are a sinner. So maybe teens, I'll ask you tonight, are you a sinner? I'm sure most of you say, you know the biblical answer, yes, I'm a sinner. Now my next question to you is this. Are you truly a sinner to the point, teens? You sinner to a point where you need to beg God to save you? That you are so ashamed that tonight you crawl with your face down towards the ground and say, God, I am a sinner. Other people may not know. But God, please, I beg you, save me. Or is it, I'm a sinner. And many are like that. I'm a sinner. Yeah, yeah, Pastor, I'm a sinner. And when you ask God to save you, yeah, God, God save me, all right, I'm, I'm a sinner. And that's it. You know this beggar, um, Lazarus it's not like well are you a beggar yes I'm a beggar alright but well when I when I feel like it I'll beg no he knows how desperate he is he will crouch he will go find someone who may give him some some uh, mercy some charity he will look for it right like this Lazarus he will Go near a rich house. Hopefully, some mercy, some charity given to me. He will beg. So I'm afraid that many teens, you realize that you're a sinner, but I don't think you may truly have searched your heart and realize I'm the poorest beggar. I'm a beggar. You may have nice clothes. You may have nice shoes. You may go to a nice school. And everyone look at you as well, very well-groomed and um, fresh and all that. But until you, you say, you know in your heart, 
I'm the filthiest sinner. Lord, I beg you. I crawl before you. I grovel before you. I have no shame, Lord. Please save me. I must be saved. Now, adults, I want to ask you this as well. Is that truly what happened to you? Or is it, well, I grew, I grew up, my, my parents, my great-grandparents are Christian, so I'm from a Christian family. You feel quite, um, quite respectable. And when you ask God to save you, God, you know, save me, all right, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. And that's all. Now, Christ himself explained this parable to, to teach us, to teach us what is poor in spirit. What is one who's humble himself before God and begged God, smiting his heart for salvation? So, teens, you say you are a sinner. When you come to God and beg for salvation, you need to know one thing, adults and teens alike. A beggar does not argue with the person giving him something. He does not say, no, 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 give it to me this way. No, 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 I want this. No, no, I want it this way. All right? A beggar comes to Christ on Christ's terms. On Christ's terms. Now, it means this. We enter the covenant of grace. Remember? Covenant of grace. And when we study covenant, you have the head knowledge. Covenant means, well, covenant of grace means God is the supreme one. God dictates the terms of the covenant. We're also familiar theologically about that. But teens, I want to ask you that. Maybe I ask you this here. You say, yes, there, is, there are promises and God is the one who set the terms and so on. I want to ask you this tonight, teens. When you ask Christ to save you, adults as well, did you say, Lord, please save me. Be my Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. The Bible is always very consistent. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the terms is that He is supreme. He sets the condition. He is your Lord. He is your Lord. So when you come as a beggar, Lord, um, I am a beggar. I have nothing and I really need this salvation. You say salvation is if I accept you as my Lord, not just my Savior. Yes, yes. Now, what am I trying to say? Because I've seen too many teens through our church, through, through my lifetime as a Christian in other churches as well, Teens and preteens say, I'm a sinner, please save me, God. But they, don't, they won't accept that they must obey God in everything. They won't accept that they must, live, they must live their life as God expects them to. They don't think that total repentance from everything that God shows you. Now, I'm not saying a perfect life. But as long as God says, this is sin, as long as God says, these are things of darkness, there is no constant argument. Why? Why can't I watch this? Why can't I play that? Why can't I sing this? Why can't I go there? Why can't I wear this? Why can't I? There is not this kind of constant argument with God. 
Because a beggar doesn't do that. A beggar who is poor in spirit doesn't go there and say, no, I want this kind of food. No, that kind of, the dishes, that kind, I'm not interested. I only want this kind of dishes. That is why God describes it as poor, a beggar, a beggar. You simply take whatever God says. This, yes, yes, okay, yes. Now, things don't misunderstand me, adults as well. I'm not saying that you won't struggle with sin, all right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that if you struggle with sin, means you're not saved, means you were not poor in spirit. But I'm saying the spirit of this, the spirit that is, why must I obey God in everything? That is the spirit I'm talking about. It's different from, Lord, I will struggle with these things, but Lord, I do not want to love these things. Please help me to overcome it. I'm sorry, Lord, I fell into it again. Now, that is a poor in spirit. And you have a contrite heart. Lord, I'm, I'm so sickening, Lord. I fell into that sin again. After I promised you, Lord, I really, I hate myself, Lord, for this. That is poor in spirit. But if you are one who, why must I go to church all the time? Why must I read the Bible? Why must I pray? Why must I, why must I? You do not have the spirit of a beggar, right? You definitely stand at the, gate of, at the gates of God, at the gates of heaven, and dictate your terms. So when you say covenant of grace, please remember, yes, God saves totally by grace. But He also is the supreme one in this covenant, means Lord, Lord. So if you cannot accept the Lordship of Christ, you may keep saying, yes, I agree I'm a sinner, yes, I agree I'm a sinner, but I don't totally agree with God that, I'm sin that everything is sinful and I must give up these things that you say, God, that are sinful, right? Now, some may say, well, I attend Christian school, I go to Bible studies, well, I don't attend Christian school, but in school I evangelize, and so on, and so on, and so on. I deserve to be saved. Now, my last thing to say is this. Teens, do you have a poor in spirit heart? Adults as well. Now, when you say you are poor in spirit, you're saying this, I am nobody, no, wrong. I am less than nobody before you, God. I am less than nobody. I don't deserve your attention. I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve anything from you. Because if that is not your spirit, now I want to clarify again. I'm not saying you won't struggle, that you won't ever struggle with sin. But if your spirit is not, Lord, I am nobody, less than nobody, I don't know how to think. If you're not like that, you will argue with God. God, why? And you will feel that, Lord, I have some rights. I'm not nobody, you know, Lord. I have some rights. I'm a respectable teen. I have some rights. I'm not such a bad person. I have some rights to, to say how I think I should live. A poor in spirit child that comes to God is one that says, I have no right at all. Whatever you say that I should be, I should do, I totally agree. Help me, help me, help me. So teens and adults as well, I said before, I do not want to assume your salvation. 
But here is where God says, is that your heart? Was that your heart when you turn to God? Now, ultimately, no one knows your heart. Teens, you can pretend before your parents. Say, I will just keep pretending, but you must know that you're not saved. You must know that you're not saved. You can look very respectable tonight at prayer meeting. Right? Even the very young ones upstairs in the, in the room, you may look like, wow, you know, compared to other, other children in my school, I go for prayer meeting. They don't. I hope you don't think like that. As you close your eyes and you pray, Lord, I am so unworthy. I'm so unclean. Please forgive me of my sins. Now, I hope that this message would really make all of us go back and search our own hearts. Be sure, be sure that you are truly saved. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we pray for parents in this room that they would truly understand what it means to be poor in spirit, that they themselves are saved, and that they would be able to identify the heart of their children, teach it to them, pray for them. And we pray for the teens that they would truly understand tonight's message and they would search their own hearts. That none, O oh Lord, in this room will leave tonight unsaved. And Father, we do pray for adults as well, that the singles themselves, Lord, they would be very, very honest searching their own hearts especially those who grew up in Christian families who may feel a sense of respectability and have not come to this stage, Lord, that we realize that we are totally, utterly hopeless, filthy, and we grovel at your feet for salvation. We ask and we pray, Lord, that you meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen.